Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Oh my goodness. Well, happy Christmas season. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. It was good. I know we had some family come in from out of town, and it was good to have a lot of um, fun get-togethers and food and all that fun stuff. So um, if you are new, my name is uh, Sean. I'm the pastor here. We are right in the series of Enough is Enough. So this will be the very last part of this series. And today we're talking about how God provides enough. So the first week we were talking about, look, you are created by God, and the way he's made you, the way he's gifted you, if you are doing your best, your enough is enough. No matter how many people have expectations, or they would like you to see you do this amount or do this, the fact is, is all you can do is all you can do, and that's good enough because it's all you can do, right? So we were uh, exploring about that. We talked about how God's voice is enough. Pastor Paul last week did a good job with talking about God's will. And so today we're going to talk about God's provision. I think it is funny um, how we celebrated Thanksgiving. And I think for most of us, there's that time where you just pause and reflect on all the grateful things that you have in your life. Like you're thankful for um, people, relationships, blessing, job, work, finances, these t- types of things. And then our culture throws us like a huge uh, whiplash because the very next day, it's not about what you have, it's about what you want, and then you shop like crazy on Black Friday, right? Does anybody, who's, who's my Black Friday shoppers? Oh man, no hands went up, wow. Okay, Jeremy went shopping. None of you guys went shopping at all yesterday. <laughs> I think that's funny. Um, I want to share this story before we dive into the message, but I had an opportunity of working with the Phoenix Center City Kids. There's a ministry uh, that was downtown, and we would pick up the kids in the low areas, uh, you know, poverty-wise. These kids had a rough, rough time. They were in government housing projects. Um, a lot of single-parent single, single homes. These kids had issues with, you know, uh, maybe dads or family members in jail. It was a really, really difficult time. And we would take them, and we would, took a, a trip to Colorado, in southern Colorado in Dolores. This is a picture of me with my small group. There's a lot more kids there. But Joan Gray, she headed up this ministry. So every Saturday, we'd bust these kids in, had this big, huge Chris. Uh, Chris not Christmas, Christian program, like a kind of a kid's church, and then we'd send them home with a sack lunch. And she would teach these kids this, and this is kind of the heart, this is the, this is the takeaway for the message. An attitude of gratitude keeps you from stinking thinking. That was her famous line right there. An attitude of gratitude keeps you from stinking thinking. And you might think, wow, that's a little harsh to say to these guys who their parents are, you know, split up or broken up. They're in very, very difficult times. They have a lot of things that they could be not happy for or not grateful for. But we taught those kids that, hey, look, an attitude of gratitude will keep you from stinking thinking. Because when your mindset is focused on what you don't have, how things are not working for you, that is not going to get you to where God wants you to go. That's not going to get you to be the best person, the best version of yourself. So you have to have an attitude 
of gratitude. And that's what we taught them, and that's what I'm going to teach you guys today. So uh, the very first verse of the message is will be kind of our theme verse. It's found in Psalms 100, verse 4. It says this. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We're to come to God with an attitude of gratitude, out of a, a heart of thankfulness. Um, the dictionary defines thanksgiving as this. It says, the act of giving thanks to gratefully acknowledge the benefits or favors that you have, especially to God, or an expression of thanks, especially to God. A public celebration in acknowledgement of divine favor or kindness. I love how dictionary.com even references two of its definitions and it connects it to God. We are to come to God in his courts. Imagine if you were to, to go, <laughs> I know God doesn't have a front porch, <laughs> but you know how like you, you go in the front porch and you, you ring the doorbell and da da da. You were to go to God's courts with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise, to enter his gates with an attitude of gratitude. Now, one of the things about me, if you don't know, I have some pet peeves. <laughs> I, I know that you guys don't, but I have a little pet peeve. And one of my pet peeves is when people aren't thankful. Like you do something really nice for them, or you bring them something, you take them out to eat or whatever, and, and they don't even say the two words that you're waiting for, right? Thank you. And it's not a big, big deal, but I don't know. For some reason, it just kind of irritates me. Is there anybody like that? Okay, more, more of those people than Black Friday shoppers. Okay, just getting a vibe here. Um, I mean, imagine Christmas coming, right? And you get one of the hottest gifts of the year. I don't, I'm not sure what some of the hottest gifts are. Do you guys know? Like a PlayStation 12X, is that, is that out yet? No? <laughs> it's a PlayStation 5, if you can get one. You can't even find them, right? Or what about the iPhone 14, right? The new iPhone 14. So imagine you get your niece or nephew. See, here's a picture of it. It's so fancy. It has a really great camera. Imagine you get this to your, for your niece or nephew or, or somebody that you love, right? And you give them this brand new phone, top of the line. It's got the expanded memory, the, the jumbo thing. And they're like, wow, that's really great, but this won't fit my case. I'm going to have to go to my provider and, like, change my phone plan. This is going to cost me more. Plus, the photos are so good resolution. It takes so much more memory, and it's going to crash my computer if I try to download them to my, oh, thanks. <laughs> Could you imagine that? You'd just be like, you know what? I'm going to do you a favor. Give me that phone back. Give me the phone back, right? I thought about that. Like, God gives us amazing, great gifts, doesn't he? Like, every good thing comes from God. And God has answered so many of my prayers. And I know he's answered so many of your prayers. When you needed that job, when you were looking for a car, when you were looking for a place to live, when you needed a new refrigerator or new tires or you were praying for kids or you were praying for a spouse, I feel like I would never be that way if somebody gave me an iPhone. But then I looked at myself and I'm like, man, I complain about my kids sometimes. 
I prayed so much for them. I love them. I adore them. But some of the gifts that I've been given, like complain about cleaning my house or maintaining my car, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm guilty of that. I need to enter in to God's gates, his courts, with a thankful heart full of praise because my attitude can shift and I can start drifting into some very, very stinky thinking. And I don't want that. I had a friend who shared a message about gratefulness and Thanksgiving, and he said something that kind of hit me a little hard. He said, imagine if you lost everything you didn't say thank you for. Imagine if, like, every week was a reset. So whatever you didn't say thank you for or, like, acknowledged God for, you lost. I thought, man, <laughs> that'd be a, that, that's a lot of saying thank you. And so I just tried it this week. I, I woke up, and I'm like, thank you for this bed. I love these cozy blankets. Susie does such a great job in getting all this cozy stuff. And then I go to my bathroom, and I'm thanking the Lord for indoor toilets and plumbing, <laughs> right? And then I turn on the little faucet, and magically hot water comes out. Like, thank you for that. And then I walk downstairs, and I'm, thank you for my carpet, for my fridge, for my ice maker, for my dishwasher. I have so much to be thankful for. And it got me thinking, like, what are some of the most highly regarded elements of, like, conveniences? So I got this list. It came out of the Saturday Evening Post article in 2021. And these were the modern conveniences that we as Americans cannot live without. So see if you're, right now you might be thinking of some. Let's see if they made the list. And I don't think this is in order, but... The snooze alarm. Who needs the snooze alarm? Okay, I got a couple, right? Snooze alarm's on the list. Garage door opener. Thinks, when's the last time you got out of your car and rolled up your garage door, right? I'm so thankful for my garage door opener. Remotes. Who here, like, watch TV and would have to get up and, like, turn the dial, like kids, there was no remote controls back then. They were, there was no Bluetooth, no nothing. Sunglasses, love those. Microwave ovens, yes. I love microwave ovens. Windshield wipers, they come in handy like three times every year here. <laughs> really thankful for those times. Electric blanket, don't have any desire for that. Uh, seat warmers, I do kind of like the seat warmers, right? Those are kind of nice, right? Those feel good. Uh, cell phones, right? What a, imagine a life without a cell phone. Uh, reusable bags and containers, Ziploc baggies, they made the list. Wireless mouse, debit card. We have a lot to be thankful for. Imagine living 2023 with none of these items. <sighs> Don't say that. I, I would love, I would really miss the maps feature. Like, I would miss that. Or spell check, that would be on my list of things I love. Here's what's, here's what's interesting. The Bible actually has something to tell of us about this. What does the Bible say that we need to have in order to be content? Here's going to be the big, big downer. Are you ready for this? This is what the Bible says that we have, that we should have, and this will be enough. It's, it's found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 8. If we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. 
oh, man, that's such a downer. That is bad news. Food and clothing, no remotes, no dishwasher, no windshield wipers, food and clothing. Let us have food and clothing and be content. He goes on and he says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. He links great wealth with godliness and contentment, having an attitude of gratitude for what God has given you, for what he has done for you. Imagine if God didn't answer any more of your prayers. Has he done enough already? Great wealth is connected to contentment. After all, we brought nothing in with us when we came into this world and we can take and we can't take anything with us when we leave. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. I think this passage is a warning against stinking thinking. When you want more and more, it's only going to result in, like, if you get whatever more is, I want a, a bigger this, a newer that, whatever you want if you get that more, it doesn't bring satisfaction. It brings a higher appetite for wanting even more. That's the result of it. Because there's a lot of people working a lot of cool things that I like. <laughs> and so what I, what's good today is going to be different than tomorrow. But we have to have an attitude of gratitude being like, whether I get that or not, I want to be content with what God's given me. Because he knows me more than I know myself. And this passage about wanting to be rich, wanting more, that was my life. That, that's what, who I was. I wanted to have more. I wanted to be rich. And this was a trap for me. And I really was like, wow, I need to be content. And I was humbled when you lose everything. You're like, wow, how does that work? I came across this website, and I'm thankful for it. It's, uh, it's called gapminder.org, and it's uh, backslash Dollar Street. So what this website does, it's fascinating. I have no idea how much research it took. But it took a Dollar Street economy um, of the whole world, and they said, hey, look, here's people who have little, little money, here's people who have a lot of money. And they kind of mapped out where people fall on this Dollar Street. And then they went in there and they photographed this entire family's life. This was a photo journal of their whole life. So they're where, where they do dishes, their, their shoes, their beds, their house, their playground, their toys. Everything about this house was photo documented based on where they live and how much money they made. And I thought it'd be fun to share this. This is the first family that I came up with. Um, this is the Fontana family. They live in the Ivory Coast. It's in West Africa. It's actually the very first country that I went on my mission trip that really God got a hold of my life in this way. This family makes $42 a month. $42 a month. That's like more than your HOA payment. <laughs> like your HOA payment's more than that. They live in Ivory Coast. Um, the father is 59 years old. He's unemployed. 
His wife, Miriam, is 58 years old, and she works 60 hours a week at a sales job. They have six children, and they live in a one-bedroom home that they've lived there for over 15 years. It's a, it's a rented house with no drinking water or toilet facilities. The family shares an outdoor toilet with two other households. The electricity is very unreliable, often failing several days per week. They cook wood, they cook food on a charcoal stove, and their family spends about 31 hours a week collecting water. Their income is solely split on rent and food, and their and their debt, they are in debt and cannot pay for the water sometimes. Their dream is to one day own a house of their own. That's them. That's the reality. That's their toys. That's where they wash. They're on the low end of they're on the low end of the economy. Here's another family. They kind of rank in the middle of the in the dollar street. Their income is $654. This is the um, Valicia family. They live in Bulgaria. Stephen is 37 years old, and his wife, Eleanor, is 44 years old. They have three kids and a grandmother who lives with them. They live in a two-bedroom house, which they own, and they've been living there for 14 years. Their children's dream is that Santa Claus may come and send them gifts, including a fairy tale book, a talking toy, and a remote-controlled car. The teenage son's dream is to travel across the world, and their parents' dream is the dream of having reliable employment and stable health. That's what they want. And that's where they all live. Um, here's another family who ranks kind of more on the, the wealthy end of life. This is the Liu family in China. They make $4,734 a, a month. The husband's 53, and he's an industrial investor. His wife is 50, and she's a manager at an insurance company. They have a 24-year-old daughter, and they live with two parents in a three-bedroom house. They own the house, and they've been living there for 14 years. The best thing they like about their house is the location, and they have a, a garden on top of the roof. But they dislike the surrounding areas, which are noisy due to traffic and a nearby road. So clearly, we can look in the mirror of the world and realize that, man, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have so many things that afford us a comfortable lifestyle. Imagine describing what you need for Christmas um, or what you're going to buy to some of these families. Um, and I know that we are blessed, but how would you rate your contentment? If you were to be honest with yourself and say, one, I'm really not content, and 10, I'm very content, I'm very thankful, where would you rate that to? And I wonder if there's a connection between how you enter God's presence and how he dwells close to you based on your level of thankfulness. We're to enter his courts with thanksgiving. When we are thankful, we enter God's presence. And having a thankful heart is wonderful and saying, God, I realize I am so blessed. Forgive me for wanting more. But what do you want me to do now? How do you want me to live? I want you most of all. I think that's, I think that's the lesson. Um, Philippians says this, and this is a key to our prayers because we do have challenges. 
we do have struggle. Just because we live in America, because we make a whole lot, that doesn't mean that we have a life that's not full of problems. But when we pray, thankfulness is an ingredient on that. Philippians 4, 6, you're very familiar with this passage. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, there it is, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. God wants us to go in with a thankful attitude. Yes, there are things that don't work out in your life, but when you have an attitude of gratitude, being like, Lord, you've saved me, you've loved me, you've, you have provided such wonderful life for me. How can I thank you? God loves that. He loves that. I want to close with this story um, found in Acts. It was Paul and Silas, and they had um, a missionary journey. And I want you to look at how their response was. How were they, how did they respond in a very difficult situation? They were doing ministry, and um, the story is found in Acts 16. You can turn there. It'll be up on the, on the screen as well. But just the, the overall story is that there's a female slave that comes who's demon-possessed, and they cast out this evil spirit, and the whole crowd turns on them, and they're beaten and thrown in jail. Now, imagine that's you. You would have a big ticket to be complaining and grumbling and arguing. But look at how Paul and Silas react. I'll, I'll read this story. Acts 16, starting in verse 16 through 25. Once then we were going on to a place of prayer. So they're going to a place of prayer. That's great, right? We were met there by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her masters, her, for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servant of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. These guys have done nothing wrong, nothing wrong. Verse 20, they brought him before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews. They, have, they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd then joined in in their attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. He didn't even have a chance to say or give an argument. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet to the shop, to the shocks. Stocks, stocks, shocks. That's the turkey hangover, I think, right there. <laughs> I just can't imagine what that would be like if I'm, if I'm stripped naked and beaten and just like, and then thrown into the inner cell. Like, that's the worst. I don't even have like, imagine the smell of that place. And then, and then to be shackled. Like, that is horrible. That is so, so bad. How would your level of gratitude be at that moment? Like, God, I'm doing all the right things. 
I'm evangelizing for you. I'm doing all this stuff, and I was, I'm a Roman citizen, and they're treating me like this. That'd be very, very hard. How would your response be? But I want to share this story because I feel like your level of gratitude and thankfulness has the power to change your circumstance. It has the power to affect others and change your circumstances. Verse 25, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's what their response was. They went to God's courts with thanksgiving, and they praised him. And they said, God, you're going to make all this work together for good. We're going to praise you in this difficult situation. And who was listening? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake, and the foundations of the prisons were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. God made a way. You can keep reading the story, but the prison uh, guard and his whole family became saved. I imagine if Paul didn't enter God's courts with thanksgiving, if he began to complain, question his faith, sink into a dark hole of depression, like, hey, I get it. If I was him, he, he has the right to do that. I could fully relate to that. But instead, he says, I want to praise God. I want to enter your courts with thanksgiving. And because of that, his whole circumstance changed, and God got the glory. I want to invite the, the band to come up and play a final song. But with all of this, what is God speaking to you? How is your level of gratitude? This week, I know that there's all sorts of marketing that says you need this or that. But I challenge you to enter God's courts with praise and his gates. To spend time with God and be thankful for what you do have. And say, God, I need you to change my heart. Maybe there's, a, maybe there's an issue in you that says, this is a factor for me. But I know, and this is the reason why I share this message, is what God provides is enough. What God provides is enough. And you having an attitude of gratitude is really the best desire for God and for others around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for your message. God, thank you for your truth, and thank you for your love and your grace. God, I pray for us that we could have a grateful heart, a thankful heart. And Lord, I, I thank you so much for this congregation's generosity, for their heart to sponsor foster kids and to be a blessing to Luke Air Force Base. God, I pray that not only would we give you glory and gratitude in our gifts and our giving, but also in our attitude to you and to others, Lord. Thank you, God, for your gift of your son. In Jesus' name, amen.